In this house, you'll hear from courageous people who have stepped into their power after turning challenges into grit that creates, motivates, and levels up. I'm Parker Phoenix, and this is my house. Welcome to House Momentum. Nama is a licensed clinical social worker with over seven years of diverse clinical experience, serving clients from early childhood to adulthood. She is currently working in healthcare in Los Angeles and has a private practice in West LA. When Nama is not working, she enjoys hiking, yoga, spending time with friends, and traveling. If you would like to learn more about Nama's practice or schedule a consultation with her, you may visit her website at talkwithnama.com. I think you are one of the very few people that moved that moved to LA not to become an actor. Uh, I would love to know more about that, how that change and move was brought into your life. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're correct. I am one of the few people that came to LA not to be an actor or a producer or get into the industry somehow. Um, and my first couple of years, I got a lot of that. Um, people saying like, oh, are you here to, to act or to produce? Are you a PA? And I'm like, no, I work in social work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so the way that came about was um, I am born and raised East Coast, Jersey, very proud. Um, went to school, um, you know, Rutgers for undergrad, Columbia University for grad school. Um, and it just, I felt like I needed a change. Um, I think I had spent a lot of time trying to find my way. Um, you know, I come from a pretty uh, insular community, or I don't know if that sounds bad, but like a more homogeneous, really close-knit community. And I always felt like I wanted to see something outside of that. And so um, I just, I needed more. I wanted to see more. I wanted to be in a city where I could really do the kind of work that I want to do, um, which was a combination of, you know, mental health therapy, and also just helping to advocate um, for communities um, that don't always have that kind of support. And so LA seemed like a great place. I was ready to try something different. And I felt like, you know, LA would bring me to a place where I could do the work that I want to do. Um, but also be in a place that felt like I could take good care of myself, um, because that was really important to me. Um, kind of took a minute to figure out, you know, what that was going to look like. But yeah, I landed on LA because I thought I could do what I wanted in a place that um, could feel sustainable. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I'm jealous of the sun right now. <laughs> it's like raining here on the East Coast. I'm like on the borderline of New York and uh, in Jersey City. So it's uh, it's a dark cloud today, but it looks bright here. <laughs> well, that, and where, where you want, where you said, you know, you wanted to really move to have these experiences to, to live a better life, which is fantastic. Some people want those, those things and they don't even take the leap to make those changes or do the work that's necessary to make those changes. Um, now going into, you know, I know my family, if I said, mom, I'm going to move to LA right now, she'd have a heart attack because she's very clingy and that's <laughs> how the nature of my family is. Um, yeah. How did your family react and support, or did they support this move and the shift in your life, just your family dynamic overall? Yeah, um, great question. And I think uh, a lot of people um, when I moved out here were surprised. Um, you know, like I said, I sort of had my life figured out. I was in school near where I lived. Um, my family is super tight knit. My community is super tight knit. Um, it's a, you know, I grew up uh, 
Jewish Orthodox. Um, I'm not religious anymore, but um, that kind of community creates um, a lot of safety for people and, and just this expectation that, um, you know, in a good way, there's almost this like expectation that you're going to always have that, right? That, that safety net and that world, you know, my family all lives within a 15 minute drive of each other. Um, so yeah. And I was in a relationship for a long time, all through college. So there was just sort of this, um, I think expectation or this assumption that I was going to stay and continue doing what everybody else in, or not everybody, but most people in my community do, which is stay close, um, you know, work and, and do everything kind of near your family. And so, um, I ended my relationship, uh, right before graduate school, um, went to grad school and then just kind of walked in and said to my parents, Hey, I think I'm going to move to LA. And, um, they were surprised, but, um, they were also supportive. I think, you know, to their credit, mom and dad, they're great. And they've always wanted to foster our independence and growth. And so even though it was a decision that was really different, um, than what a lot of people in my community would make, they did support whatever I thought would be the best for me. Um, I tend to be a little, yeah, yeah. I mean, every now and again, I get the, you know, do you think you'll ever come back? And um, my nieces and nephews ask me that a lot. Um, but, you know, I think they realized that this was a move I needed to make. Um, mm-hmm. And I would either completely fall flat on my face and come back, you know, just a little bit shamed. Um, but it also was the decision that fostered the most growth in me. It taught me to be incredibly resilient and incredibly independent. Um, there were my first few months here were rough. There were nights that I was crying, like, what was I doing? You know, I didn't have friends out here. I just sort of packed up my bags and, um, moved with just what I could fit in the trunk of my car and drove cross country two weeks after, uh, grad school. So, um, it was, I didn't even have time to think about it. And now looking back, you know, seven (laughs) years later, I'm like, wow, that was like incredibly impulsive and respect to my parents for letting me do that. I found an apartment on Craigslist. I just drove cross country. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, best apartment I've had in LA, a mile and a half from the beach. Anybody who's here understands in Santa Monica, rent controlled. Yeah. I was, I was living my best life. (laughs) Yeah. Craigslist, it was where I got my first apartment too. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was like, I don't know if this is like dating me or dating me that thing all the time, but it it was not so shady at the time. Like it was a normal thing to do. You went to find your first apartment on Craigslist. (laughs) Everyone did it. It was like a rite of passage when you were in your early 20s and didn't have a lot of money. And there were always a few posts that were like, looking for a roommate slash cuddle buddy. But if you just knew to avoid those, you were fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I I did great. It was great. And, um, you know, looking back on it, it, you know, I am very impressed that my family did support me um, because it was wild. I didn't have a job. I had nothing. Yeah. So fortunate um, to have your family support. And then also, I love when people are like, yeah, I just did this really impulsive thing. And it it happened really quickly. But then when it was done, when you were already over there, you're like, oh, crap, what did I just do? Exactly. Those are the the moments that you're actually listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the you that's like been questioning everything, the you that's freaking out after everything's said and done that's not really you that is you reacting to your environment a different environment or that's that's normal 
but yeah. internally you're really, really listening to your calling and what you're supposed to do with your life. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, now, when you first got, I can imagine, I think in our previous conversation that we had, you mentioned you have no clue what you really signed up for in terms of your first job there. Um, yes. I think a lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> I'm going to go into the corporate world. I'm going to do great and that, or I'm going to make a difference. And then you're like, oh, hold on. I would love to know more about that experience. Yes, I, I love that you said that because I think, you know, very often people are looking for their dream job, right? Or um, they assume that they got this amazing job out of school and everything's going to be great. And then you're like, oh my God, I like have to do all this paperwork or I have this boss that's just like so wild, right? And so, um, yeah, I definitely didn't know what I signed up for. Um, like I said, it you know, you said it perfectly. Everything, you know, when you're listening to yourself, you don't even have time to think about um, what you're what you're getting into. And I think that was my experience the first probably year I lived here. You know, it all just kind of happened so fast. And I got here and I was nannying for a little bit because I didn't have a job. And I was so excited to get my first job in the field. And, you know, I was a newly minted social worker. Um, I needed to, you know, start earning my hours to get my license. We have a whole licensing process. It takes a few years. So I knew I wanted to get that started. And I also knew I wanted to work with kids, um, particularly um, within the foster care or juvenile justice system. Um, I really wow. wanted to do, uh, like I said before, a combination of, um, you know, therapy, mental health, but also the advocacy piece and really uh, ingratiating myself into, um, you know, different communities, really learning about the communities, how, how communities function and, um, you know, where are the strengths to help really, um, you know, to help people and communities find those strengths. So anyway, so I got uh, my first job, it was uh, working through a um, nonprofit that was contracted with the Department of Mental Health, which is like our big mental health governing board in LA. And I was working with kids basically zero to 21, um, either connected somehow in with the foster care system or the juvenile justice system. And it was the intensive community-based work. And so for anybody who knows LA, LA is very spread out. And coming from, I was in the city before this. And yeah. so, you know, I- like next to each other in the city, like so close. Exactly. Exactly. Like <laughs> going to Brooklyn is a big, a big thing. And that's like- one train right away, right? Um, so getting here, I was doing um, what were called intensive community-based services, where we essentially came in. I was part of an interdisciplinary team that came in and worked with the child and the family unit, whatever that family unit was, um, to do these kinds of intensive mental health services. And um, I was driving from home to home, you know, to, to a group home, to a foster home, to a child's home, um, going to court with, the, with kids and with families. Oh and, you know, I had no idea really how big LA was. Um, and also that I would be leaving LA to do some of this. So, you know, I got, I was getting clients um, all over the place and in LA traffic, it's no joke. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> the rumors are true. <laughs> the, the rumors pre-COVID, the rumors were all true. Now, uh, you know, it's way lighter. But as we're getting back into it and the vaccine's coming out, I'm sure the traffic will be back and better than ever soon. Um, 
Yeah, that was where my love of podcasts actually started, was uh, sitting in the car for two hours going from one meeting to another meeting. And oh, my God. Yeah, you had to really find some things you loved. Uh, lots of comedy because I needed something to lighten the mood. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh I had God. no clue what I was getting myself into. Now, have there been certain experiences you know, could be all good, could be the challenging, more challenging ones that stand out in regards to your work or dealing with clients. Yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, as you say that, I I think um, what comes to mind first is really how amazing it is to be able to see um, the differences that, you know, not that I can make because I don't do anything, but, you know, the resilience of people and kids, you know, I felt so grateful, no matter how hard the job was when I first moved out here. Um, And I was at my job for over six years. I loved my my last job. It was my first job out of grad school. And I was there for for six years. And it was amazing. But um, I think what stood out to me the most was really understanding people's resilience, children's resilience, families' resilience. I mean, people are incredible. And you know, I had clients where they were, they were homeless or, um, they had gone, they had been between, you know, eight to 10 foster homes, um, in and out of group homes. And they were the first one in their family to go to college. And, you know, they had dreams to be, you know, in politics or to run, you know, the LA foster care system one day. And I bet you right now, mark my words, they will do it. And, you know, to have a a client text you saying, I got into college, like, I never thought this was possible. Um, You know, that to me, you know, those were the moments that stood out. And that's what made the tougher days, um, you know, just feel more, uh, you know, doable, feel easier. It just, it's, that to me is what stands out. And the respect that I have just, you know, I see or I, I feel um, and the admiration that I feel every day, um, you know, and that I got to feel particularly when working with kids is pretty incredible. You know, you're constantly feeling like, at least in my work, it feels like you're constantly swimming upstream. It's an uphill battle, right? Systems in place and, you know, there's so much to do and so much to tackle. Um, and to be able to see that people really can do incredible things. So yeah, that I think is what stands out the most. Yeah. Even though it's like a battle, I can imagine, yeah, you just said like, it's, it's fulfilling in some way you're feeling it, it, it connects to you, which a lot of, at least one thing for me was like, that I've always struggled with, with my profession was that it never connected to me. Like it was always a line between work and myself, but with your job, it's, I feel like the boundary setting is really difficult to do because it is really emotional. Um, How do you set emotional boundaries in that type of position? Yeah, um, really also a great question. And I think uh, a question that I used to pose a lot um, when I was supervising at my last job, because the boundaries are hard. Um, And particularly those emotional boundaries when you're working with 
clients that you feel really connected to and they're going through something incredibly traumatic. Um, putting work away at the end of the day is really hard. Um, and, my, and my last job, I was also on call 24 seven for crisis. Oh, so, God. you know, being able to maintain the emotional boundaries when you're also on call was um, definitely a challenge. Yeah. I was like, please don't let this phone ring. Um, but yeah, I think the way I would do it is having routine, like routine, routine, routine. I can't stress it enough that forces me and has always forced me to hold myself accountable to take care of myself. That's not to say, again, I'm super impulsive and spontaneous. So I mess with that routine, right? Routine that allows for, um, you know, uh, difference and, you know, you can do something else. But for me, you know, holding myself accountable to take care of myself every day. I do not skip my workouts. I am invested in things that are important to me, eating healthy, um, getting outdoors. I have um, friendships that I have nurtured over the years. Despite having no friends when I moved out here, I have an incredible circle of friends and particularly of women who I admire and adore and are like my family. Um, So really just having enough to be invested in outside of work forces you to create the emotional boundaries because when you are expected to be there for your friends or to show up for yourself because you've set goals for yourself, you know, setting goals that I have to accomplish, right? Whether it's, you know, I've taken classes or, um, you know, signing up for yoga classes on ClassPass before the pandemic. I had classes I went to every week. And so I knew that no matter what else was going on, I was making that sweat yoga class. It did not matter. Um, And so I think that was really how, um, you know, I created those boundaries and have continued to, which I would say in the pandemic has definitely been a little bit more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had to really push myself to... um, you know, not think about work just because there wasn't as much going on. Yeah. Your home more. And I didn't have those yoga classes. I wasn't necessarily like, you know, seeing my friends as much. And so it was really a challenge when I first started, um, actually at my most recent job, uh, which I started right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, learning to create those boundaries was definitely challenging. And I had to re-remind myself that I have to set goals for myself and hold myself accountable. I want to talk more about what you're doing now. So I think in a previous conversation, you mentioned, you know, there are some gaps perhaps in the LA system. Um, And now you have two jobs. One is your private practice and one where you're actually Mm -hmm. working in a medical clinic. Can you tell me about the two? And I mean, you're busy, clearly. Um, (laughs) But what else besides (laughs) that? Tell me a bit more about what you do there. Yeah, sure. So, um, like I said, I was at my last job, um, for about six years and then I kind of out of the blue got recruited to work, uh, at a medical clinic, um, starting a, a program there that integrates, um, mental health care within the primary medical setting. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and one of the biggest challenges I think, you know, not in LA, but in general, I think is that there is such a gap between, you know, your medical care and your mental health care. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know why, right. Just like we need to go to the doctor for our physical health, your emotional health is really important. And so what's so incredible is we are, we are started this program, um, which has been already started in other medical groups, but my medical group 
started with me, um, which is, you know, helping patients to get really um, cohesive, holistic care in their primary medical setting. So they come to the doctor for whatever reason, you know, it could be their just their um, annual checkup, or they're really tired, or they've been, you know, really not feeling like themselves. And, you know, you can discover that there's nothing wrong with them medically, but they have, you know, they're, they're depressed, or they're really anxious, or they've gone through some significant life stressor that's affecting them. And so what this does is, you know, helps integrate that need, you know, for, for patients, particularly, who wouldn't have necessarily known how to access it or wouldn't have easily had access to mental health care. It can be really expensive. It can be really hard. It can be really scary to get it. And so what this does is creates that opening for them. So um, in my day job, I do short-term work uh, designed to really make it easy for people to access that. So you know, whether it's depression, anxiety, um, a significant stage of life change, um, a medical diagnosis that is now affecting someone emotionally, I step in, I'm able to work with them for a few months and then help refer them maybe somewhere else that might be good for them as well. So really working to reduce that gap and ease the access for people who um, wouldn't have necessarily even thought to get it or known how so exactly, yeah um, they wouldn't been, they wouldn't yeah. know to I mean I'm I'm a firm believer that a lot of the me- mental health issues cause medical issues like I like if you're yeah. adding more stress to your body you're gonna create something that in physical form um you know whatever you think you're gonna create um so by you stepping in there it's like it's it's true preventative precautions in my mind because now this person yeah. is going to dive as deep into this hole as they would have if they didn't have access to someone like you that's amazing yeah yeah for some people it's um so I went from working uh with kids to adults which has been oh, yeah. How a was really that fun jump like, with our kids because <laughs> I, I can imagine with kids I mean I'd be crying every day I I, I would be like I'm you home I couldn't do that. Oh my! I, I, that would hurt my my heart so much. But is it? Yeah. Are they more receptive? Do you think than an adult is like who's stuck in their ways and stubborn, or is that the wrong? Yes and no. <laughs> no, no. You're you're absolutely right, and I think you see a little bit of each. Um, it it really depends. I think there are pretty amazing uh, things about all groups. Um, you know, the stories that some of my patients tell me who are parents and grandparents. Again, I think the theme throughout my career, as corny as it sounds, is I am awestruck by my, my clients and my patients, you know, just based on what people have been able to accomplish and people's resilience. Um, so, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses to both. There are differences to both. Um, I, I love, um, you know, I love being able to, you know, help patients have this experience in therapy who maybe have never, um, been to therapy at 40, 50, 60 years old. Um, or even 70, you know, I work with older adults as well, and they may have never been to therapy. And I've had patients who say, you know, I went to therapy, this was my first time, and I told my friends and now they're going. And so for groups that may may have stigmatized mental health before, which of course, you know, now it's becoming more and more acceptable, thankfully, and I hope that continues. Oh, but, yeah. um, you know, particularly for those groups that 
you know, really was more stigmatized 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It meant you were crazy um, back then. And it's like, no, you just need to, someone to talk to. You need, there is exactly. a, a, attention to this is required. Yeah. I always say the most courageous thing someone can do is realize when they need help. Yes, absolutely. Because that's how you grow. And so they've encouraged their friends or their children to, you know, get into therapy and get some support. So um, that's been really cool. So yeah, so I've been at the clinic for about a year um, and I did start my private practice about two and a half years ago or so. Um, so I do that in the evenings as well. So my my day job at the clinic is, um, you know, Monday through Friday during the day. And then in the evening, I see my private clients okay. um, a few nights a week. And what I love about that is um, being able to really see growth over the long haul. You know, I have clients I've been with for over two years and to watch their growth is pretty incredible. That is so nice. That's huge. One of my, um, one of my friends, she's had a therapist who that she's been speaking to for like almost 10 years, but yeah. she's definitely made progress for sure. But now this person's almost like an extension of her family. And it's yeah. almost like, I, I, I enjoy talking to this person. I don't want them to like leave my life. I will, you know, and, and yeah. maybe that is that purpose is that bond as well. When it's a healthy, I guess, relationship or a healthy, um, yeah, healthy relationship between you and your client where they value you so much where, yeah, now mm -hmm. you are kind of that extension of their external family or external um, tribe in, in a way. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's yeah. powerful. That's very powerful. Um, my God, you're busy. My, I can't imagine. Like, the day the, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I work like 12 hours a day for the most part. Thank God. for I, 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 I could never... <laughs> I, sometimes I think about one of my cousins and nurse, my aunt's go, um, going into social work. She deals with the elderly. And here I am as a marketer half the time, just, you know, making ads and, you know, things, and I'm just like, I couldn't do it. But thank God there are people like you that, you know, really, this is their calling. This is their, their frequency that they're on that I, it's a completely different channel for me, but I am so grateful yeah. that it exists. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think people say that all the time. They're like, wow, it's such a selfish profession or thank you so much. And I'm like, look, I'm just doing what I love. Yeah, and to you in your head, this is this is this is the road that I'm on. This is the only road for me. And that's that's even more yeah, amazing. I, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people like you, you know, also create content that help people like me from completely losing our minds. You know, I say all the time because people are, are always saying like, you know, it's so amazing. I'm just doing this. And I'm like, no, you are keeping me sane because if I didn't have the things outside of my work, um, music, you know, books, um, fashion, I don't know, whatever, everything that I absorb, um, I would be losing my mind because it would feel like this was what I was doing all day, every day. So, you know, believe me, my weekends are for me and <laughs> I am not doing this. <laughs> Well, if you had, you know, all the power in the world to change mm -hmm. the LA system or any type of yeah. system that you've seen that maybe has a lot of gaps within it, what would you change? Like, it could be one thing, it could be two, like, no, no, no limit, but um, what's something that you definitely would say, hey, if I had the power to really start this up from scratch or change some aspect of this, what would it be? 
Gosh, so much. Um, but I don't want to get myself in trouble about trying to change every system in LA um, or in the world. But there is so much um, that can always be changed. You know, I think one thing um, that I've been thinking about for a while, um, you know, that I think is hopefully going to start to change is really helping to destigmatize mental health and how important it is to talk about um, from a young age. I see, you know, most people have gone through trauma in their lives, you know, and in some capacity. And I think if we can just talk about how that impacts people, if we can talk about what depression looks like, what depression feels like, um, you know, kids start to feel funky sometimes, right? They're like, I just don't feel right. And I'm not sure why. Um, but if we could really talk about that, um, you know, from a really young age and have that be a conversation that isn't just had because someone needs it, right? You know, right. there are school counselors and schools have programs embedded, which is amazing and a huge step forward over these last, you know, 20, 30 years, right? Um, that have mental health um, awareness groups, they have counselors, they have therapists, but if that could be something that was part of just mainstream conversation and it wasn't just for somebody because they needed it, because right. somebody found out that they were, you know, throwing up in the bathroom after lunch or cutting or not going to school or something was going on at home, right? If these were conversations that were being had as part of a regular curriculum. Now, in terms of your practice, I can imagine, I mean, I'm assuming you'd want to do that maybe full time. Is that something that you want to do? Or are there any other future goals that pertain to your, your own practice or anything else that you might want to, to start doing? Yeah, yeah. So I go back and forth about whether I want to, you know, really have my own practice full time. I love working with teams. I love people. Um, like I was saying, I love all the strong, powerful women in my life. Um, so I think I envision myself at some point um, doing something to really support women in particular, you know, yeah. um, creating a community that can integrate all of the things that I love, you know, health and wellness, um, mental health, support, um, particularly for us women who are going through just, you know, working and you know, getting into relationships, starting families, navigating and balancing um, all of our responsibilities. So I think I envision myself in the future um, really doing something to help foster, um, particularly for women, you know, that overall health and wellness. Yeah, no, that would be great, especially now where we get on social media and, you know, you see these influencer moms who just look like they have it all together. They can yeah. work and they have a business and they have three kids and they have a six pack and they cook. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and you're always happy. You're never yeah. miserable. Okay. I understand that. Okay. I know that they're, they have, they're not always happy. Like I can tell myself yeah. that and I believe it, but it's still, it's just like this image that you see that then puts a lot of pressure on women who are, I'm sorry, re more real. I think I, to me, there's still some, I'm from celebrity status. <laughs> Um, especially if you're, you know, you're getting injections here, here and there, and you're still, and you're cooking, exactly. you know, with your fresh Botox, but it, <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, really? This is the bar now? This is the bar yeah. that when I get married and have a kid, this means I'm a good mom or this means I'm a good yeah. woman in society. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so important. I think more than ever to have that kind of initiative 
because we need it now more than ever. It's like we're trying to balance being the hot housewife and a career oriented person who yeah. has dreams and has goals. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something I feel really strongly about. Um, you know, like you said, I think there's so much pressure um that we put on ourselves as people and I think as women. And I just I am around so many amazing women all day, every day. And I want us to all keep, you know, glowing each other up. And and I think that there's a way to do that throughout the life cycle, because the challenges change, you know, whether you choose to have kids, whether you don't, whether you choose to be partnered, whether you don't. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Social media has definitely um, given, set the bar real high. Um, but I always say like, we should, or we all deserve to strive for the best for ourselves, but also to continue to give to ourselves every day. If you'd like to contact House Momentum, or learn more about today's guest, email housemomentum at gmail.com.